Hello, I'm John Waters, and I'm supposed to announce there is no smoking in this theater, which I think is one of the most ridiculous things I've ever heard of in my life. How can anyone sit through a length of a film, and especially a European film, and not have a cigarette? But don't you wish you had one right now? Mmm, 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 mmm. And I'm telling you, smoke anyway. It gives ushers jobs. And if people didn't smoke, there would be no employment for the youth of today. So once again, no smoking in this theater. Thank you so much for listening to Try Love. It's a literal roundtable podcast where we talk about movies we saw or people we met at the Trial and Cinema, Minneapolis, Minnesota. You can find us on Twitter at Try Love Podcast, find the Trial and at Trial and Cinema. My name is Jason Daphnis. I know you are, but what am I? And you can find me on Twitter at Nintendoofus. Let's talk about your big butt. I'm Cody Narvison, and you can find me on Blue Sky at Cody Narvison. I don't make monkeys, I just train them. I'm Harry Mackin. You can find me on Twitter at Punish Take. Hello, Diana. Diana walking around in the background. Uh, my name is Aaron, uh, and she adventure on my big peewee till she called me her man. God damn uh, it. <laughs> I'm, I'm currently not on social media, uh, so uh, worse for carrier it. pigeon. I mean, yeah. that one that one is like a tweet with, what, it's five or six faves? Uh, maybe one retweet? Uh, probably not even a retweet. Yeah, I would say <laughs> four to eight likes. Because well, you're usually on the private, kind of so no range. retweets. Yeah, that's uh, a good range. Yeah, but even even I mean, let's be honest here, Cody. Even even not on private, that one's not uh, lighting up the Can internet. I, I know that this is extra judicial to the terms of the podcast, but Aaron, you are not on social media. Do you empty your drafts before you leave Twitter every now and then, or do you just have I've this never like, had growing dra- the whole like posting? I, I was going to say, hey, a screenshot of my drafts, Jason. Have you never ever looked at a tweet that Aaron is? My man has not got drafts. All right, <laughs> he, he is not putting. Any forethought whatsoever into those no. bad boys. <laughs> I just, I just look that that's the, the, in my opinion, the wrong way to approach Twitter is to sit around thinking like, oh, hey. what's a perfectly crafted, just, just fucking fire it off, man. It's Twitter. Yeah, that is evident. That's crazy. That's in, what are you, Jason's what? thinking about when he's going to go viral next. This Jason man, has like a hundred, two hundred drafts. Sociopathic, Jason. I'm not going to lie. That's so much of that is like, No, no, I won't do that again. Uh, so you can screenshot it. You would need 60 FPS anyway because it was moving pretty quickly. Uh, thank you so much for joining uh, for another episode, y'all. Um, new recording time. Hope this changes the vibe of our conversation for the better. Uh, Harry also already so far so good. Fucking chair. The vibes have been uh, off. We needed a change. The vibes have been off. Um, I should say I'm trying to be a little bit more accountable this year in terms of like remembering when, why, and where these movies played. So. Just for the record, this was part of other programming at the Trilon, not directly associated with Cult Film Collective, not as part of a series, etc. Uh, but it was on 35 millimeter. Both of these will be, uh, and it includes, whoa, okay, extrajudicial podcast content. Uh, Godzilla is making an appearance himself, Godzilla. Uh, welcome back to the podcast. Um, I don't have this, your sound effect on, and your mic doesn't appear to be on. I'm sorry. Uh, maybe we can get those technical I was taking the picture. That, I think that's the first Godzilla of January, actually. So congrats. Oh. Fantastic. I'm uh, honored to have been here for that. Um, but that's all that I can say about the movie because my friend Aaron Grossman uh, says a little bit about the movie in what we call the patented Aaron Grossman summary. Yes, indeed, folks. Yes, indeed, folks. We are talking about Pee Wee's Big Adventure 1985 film directed by Tim Burton. Uh, just one of many uh, examples of the Pee Wee character. There were sequels there was a tv show there was another tv show there was all sorts of live stuff 
Um, but this is kind of the, the main one, I guess, uh, the, the first kind of feature film, uh, including Pee Wee, follows Paul Rubens as, who else, Pee Wee Herman, uh, as he attempts to track down his stolen bicycle. That's what I got. Jason. Uh, I appreciate that. I was not quick uh, enough. Not the big one. You were really. thinking, ah, you're thinking yeah. I had another four minutes left in the chamber here. Yeah. No, look, I wanted to keep a brief look. We can talk about, uh, we'll, we'll talk about the, the things that happen in this film, the side characters, the this film being like a weird box office success, uh, kind of its cult status, all of that stuff. Look, the point is there's a, there's a guy named Pee Wee and he had a really nice bicycle and he fucking lost it. And that's the, that's the thing. And he's, okay? and everything it. else is. Yeah. Is some bullshit. All right, he's tracking down his bicycle. Everything else. This is so t- the main, the core the, plot. The is, first uh, act of this movie the here. is a Joker movie. Uh, if if we want to be yes. um, <laughs> clear, let's, let's, which is let's, about what you have to know. I think let's stick a stick a quick pin in that hors d'oeuvre. Uh, we'll come back to it, uh, but I want to gauge because I know that this is having like this movie is from 1985. Spoiler alert for other loves we've tried before. Later, what is everybody's? Uh, mileage with the peewee the larger peewee brand etc i feel like i only really absorbed it through bits and pieces here and there had anybody seen this movie before or what was your like background with it all right i did not grow up with this film which is i think a somewhat watched you know for children movie maybe not something like the princess bride like as close to that but like it is one of those films i think Uh, i did not grow up with it uh my dad when i was like i think 11 or 12 I don't know what he was watching me doing, but he was like, you know what you should watch? You would really enjoy. You should check out Pee-wee's Big Adventure. I think you find that really enjoyable and funny. Extremely strange period of a a boy's life to suggest that movie for him. Very off type, right? But like, okay. So I was like, he he like rented it, you know, from not the blockbuster, but the blockbuster equivalent. And he sat me down and he like showed me. Put on the film and I got maybe halfway through and I was like, I don't fucking like this. I don't vibe with this. I'm trying to be cool. I'm trying to listen to Metallica. I'm trying to be a fan of uh, 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 Linkin Park, but I don't have any other albums. I'm trying to get my friend to rent me or to lend me one of those albums. I'm trying to be cool. This is not my fucking vibe. I don't know what this fucking guy with his bike is. I just didn't like vibe with it at all due to clearly just me being an insecure, uh, like, you know, you know, pre-adult. Um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, but I do remember certain things that have like stuck in my brain, like the people chewing gum and having like oil spill out of their mouth has been like in the back of my brain for like my entire really? life. Bit of all things. With, like, yes, I don't know why I just like have remembered that, uh, did not actually know it was from this movie until I was watching it a few days ago. And it was like, oh shit, that's where the fucking chewing gum yeah, I had oil thing comes too. from. Yeah. Uh, same thing with like the Rube Goldberg machine breakfast thing. I've I have like distinct memory of that implanted in my brain. That's just like, a classic. Anything, Fucking kids it love is. Rube Goldberg machines. And like I'm an adult and I love. Rube I also Goldberg love machines. Rube Goldberg yes. machines, right? But like there is something so classic and so satisfying about the beginning of a kids movie. One of yes. the like ways you establish the characters, they've Guys got like a up. Rube Goldberg breakfast. Because yes. as a kid, you were like, that's exactly what I'm going to be like when I'm an adult. A kid that is like too <laughs> smart and is like, yeah. he's like, he's planned out his whole morning. Right. It's like, he's got breakfast. He's got, but like the thing about like Pee Wee that like now is like a grown up that I can kind of appreciate is like, it is actually a slightly nuanced character in that like Pee Wee does have those Rube Goldberg machines and he does have like all this weirdly intricate like Jacques Tati kind of shit going on in the background, but like none of it works really how it's supposed to. But then it also 
another hump past that does also work how it's supposed to, right? Like the thing about Pee Wee is like, he is big and sprawling and he has all this vibrant, colorful shit going on and all of it goes wrong, but like he still gets the end result. And like, that is the character of Pee Wee, at least to how I understand it, right? Like there are 19 flapjacks on the ceiling, but he gets one on his plate. And, and so he doesn't, he doesn't eat it either, but you know, he got it there and, and the presentation was sort yes. of the point. Yeah. <laughs> yes. And that is like a, weirdly smart bit i think that the movie kind of uh uh kind of holds to even with like its its larger plot around like um you know recovering the bike and going to the alamo and all that it's like he got there in the end he didn't follow the path yeah. that you would expect or even he would expect but like he did get there right and so like you know is a kid a, a little shit like not appreciating things that are clearly good right i i, I kind of talked about this with like my neighbor totoro where like as a kid i was always like i don't want to watch that i want to watch one where the guy has a sword and he shoots the bow and the guy's arm comes off well yeah you know what i mean um but then you like grow up and you're like ah oh, yeah this is actually pretty good even if uh uh you know it's still like not for me per se um i appreciate it now yeah much more than i did i wonder how many other podcasts compared peewee'sburg adventure to my neighbor totoro in well, a serious dude, I had critical a fucking, way Sorry to dominate the fucking no, no. oxygen here, but like I had a VHS copy of Kiki's Delivery Service that I saw once and was like, "This is for girls. I don't like it." Okay, <laughs> I'm just gonna rent. I like I like Spirited Away because it's dragon in it. Where's okay? my Lincoln Park? Like so you're just saying and that you were a dumb asshole when you were a boy. Which, yes, who among like, us? Like, right, <laughs> yeah, like right. same. <laughs> yes, of course. Uh, in fact, and so yeah. yes, Pee Wee's is a big uh, uh, movie that I missed due to being a big dumbass, and I think that like. Kind of like Princess Bride. Right now, I maybe don't fully gel with it, but that's just because I, I yeah. didn't. Like, if I was shown this when I was six, I probably would. <laughs> right. Well, have I mean, like, for it, right? I, I think that. Uh, sorry to to interrupt you, Jason, but like, uh, it's so relatable to me what what you just said because the first time I saw this movie, despite being thirty at the time, I felt that like inner twelve year old Harry being repulsed by it. Right. So, like, I can totally see how, like, if I had been, like, a shitty little teen and I had seen this at the wrong time, it would be my least favorite movie of all time, right? Luckily, yes. that that didn't happen for me, but I understand how it, how you got there. I'm glad that we've, like, one, opened the floodgates to a larger conversation about the nuance of the character and sort of how he looks in retrospect. But, like, the idea that there's sort of this gestalt psychology thing of pieces of this movie that were somewhere in you that you only realized upon watching it. That happened to me, too, with like two or three different pieces. One, much more recently and saliently, was um, the main theme, Danny Elfman's main theme, the Dan and 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 thing. The Trilon uses as a... Plays I, I it think, all the time, yep. yeah. I think it's their preview of coming attractions music, maybe. Uh, and I was sitting there thinking through half the movie, like half of the breakfast machine scene. I was like, where the fuck do I know that sound from? Boom, it came from that. I I don't know why I never questioned where that came from. Uh, secondarily, the um, deep in the heart of Texas thing, the call and response that he does in Texas to identify that he's actually in Texas. Very good bit. But that was not that, and not even the funniest Texas joke in the movie, but a fantastic yes. bit. <laughs> Strangely, the second best Texas joke in this movie. Um, that was something that my ex used to do around the house all the fucking time. And I I think whenever I asked them about it, it was just like, you don't know that, you know, call and response thing. And I assume it actually came from this movie, given this person's like tastes in, in watching movies and like what they grew up with. It is insane how like those pieces clicked once I started to watch this movie. And I think it, strangely, the character for me was like there were two different versions of this character in my head where one was doing and because Paul Rubin switches between his like very tinny childish voice and the like ah honking, uh, you know, screaming sound. 
I think I always envisioned those as two different characters, but both of them had Pee Wee's face for a weird reason. Like, I should say this movie never really existed at the center of my attention. It was always like, sort of like, there, there's this cultural signifier you of thought Pee Wee went into the fucking Black Lodge and his <laughs> and doppelganger was discharged <laughs> to wreak havoc on the world. And there's, there's the evil uh, negativity screaming uh, version of Pee Wee and the, the genteel, kind, positive, bright light of humanity Pee Wee who has the childish voice. I, I mean, kind of. Like, these assumptions that i did not know i had that are only revealed by having watched the movie it is a really bizarre experience i guess i mean you say like having never seen this movie but knowing Wee herman knowing the like provenance of paul rubens as the comedian as a public figure but never actually seeing a feature-length piece of peewee content and then doing that just like weeks before your 31st birthday is a bizarre fucking thing uh i don't know it's it's it was a strange experience the movie itself we'll get to talking about but i'm glad we've started with uh with like our personal mileage about it uh cody did you have any personal i know you watched it before but did you have like personal mileage with peewee your friend peewee no not at all uh i only recently became friends with peewee in my uh adult life i i watched i've seen this movie once before a couple of years ago I think it was like an early pandemic watch or something uh, because I, I knew I needed to chew the fuck up or otherwise I'd be in a very, very bad place. Uh, and Pee Wee certainly did that, but I have no mileage with like other works or the TV show or anything like that. I think in a, in a different reality, I would have maybe had trouble latching on to Pee Wee just because I like a character, like focal points like Pee Wee who do not have um or who do not like clarify themselves like some sort of clear interiority um like i i, I again sometimes have trouble latching onto but having grown up with um works like spongebob like not that it's like a one-to-one mapping or anything that's like such that. a good comparison holy I shit when you brought this up last night, i yeah. never yeah. even especially thought the of fucking that. the the jump scare and with the truck driver that is <laughs> oh, such yeah. a spongebob courage the cowardly dog ass fucking moment yeah like, right and Yes. Yeah. And you can, and you can start to like, you know, think about where does Peewee file in the canon of all of these like Peewee-esque figures. Like they have their own franchise. There's a lot of like, uh, uh, visit, uh, visual, um, gags, bits. Um, and I mean, not just like he's great at emoting and doing line readings and stuff like that, but then also outwardly, how does the character's environment react to their shtick like and in peewee's case and like spongebob's case uh as well it's like they are <laughs> like man baby children like they like they're they're grown people with with bits um but like people love them for it uh like they do their excuse me they do their shit in the real you know in their version of the real world and nobody really bats an eye um and uh, jason you brought up like last night mr bean where whenever mr bean does something there is like a reaction where people need to stop and be like what the fuck is this guy doing to a certain extent? Again, not, not to like, yeah, like cast blanket uh, assumptions, but like watching, you know, watching every, and and basically how does thinking about the ways in which these um, other universes create, like how, how do we adapt this into a movie? I feel like road movies come up a lot where it's like, how does this in character engage with other um, situations, adventures? How do they meet new people on the road? Like juxtapose against uh, a closer mirror to like our our real life reality how does this character fare and i think like that's in a space where p really thrives so i don't like coming back to this i like it i love him just as much uh, even more so um I, I could see myself revisiting this i don't know if i'll like get to the point where i like go back to the tv series unless somebody here or elsewhere comes up and it's just like hey you should really check out the the tv show but um yeah i don't know if there's there's 
a lot of good business going on, I think, but I'll, I'll cap myself there. And and Harry, I know you had seen this movie. You, you mentioned you saw this movie once before as well, right? Yeah. Uh, Kelly is a huge fan of this movie. So she showed it to me, um, not knowing that uh, it was going to be playing at the Trilon. So I, I saw it shortly after uh, um, Pee Wee Herman's death, I believe. Um, I love this movie. I liked it a lot the first time I saw it. I think it holds up even better on rewatch. I think that this is like one of the best rewatches I've had in recent memory because, um, well, for one thing, I was watching it with a crowd, which I think this movie fucking murders with a crowd. Like, it's so good. Um, and uh, also, um, I realized like relatively early on that despite having only seen the movie once and not really thinking about it a lot in the interim, uh, I knew the exact sequence of every single scene in the movie. There are so many iconic scenes that I remembered exactly what was happening ne- happening next, and I was looking forward to the next scene in the movie while the scenes played out. Like, And that almost never happens to me, you know what I mean? And, but like, this movie is such a great example of just like, it's like weirdly low concept, right? It's basically just like, hey, like, this character who has this like fascinating and very hilarious and somewhat contradictory personality is going to interact with a bunch of people. And we are going to write a series of skits basically about him interacting with people. And honestly, I think every single one hits, right? Like I think I have my favorites and I think that the, like there are ups and downs, but like I'm hard pressed to think of a single scene that doesn't work for me in this movie. Um, Maybe the beginning is a little bit annoying because we have to like get into the character a little bit, but like, man, as soon as the, the rubber hits the road, like literally, and we're like on the road, every single one of this, these is just banger after banger. And it's so like, I admire this movie so much because like, I, I think Pee Wee had got to be kind of a weird character to write. You know what I mean? I don't know. I feel like his, his appeal is not as sort of like, clear cut as even somebody like spongebob right like i really liked that we got started uh aaron and cody sort of unpacking what the joke is about peewee because i think it's like kind of a lot of things at once and a lot of different things um sort of like in contradiction scene by scene right like there's always a lot of irony a lot of like irony in terms of like uh, the difference between how he perceives himself and how the world perceives him or how the world perceives him and how we perceive him, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, there's also like very much the SpongeBob thing, which is like a big kids movie thing where um, he sort of by force of personality and magnetism transforms the world into his own design as he does it right. Like he's able to make friends wherever he goes and sort of like restore the childlike wonder to everybody he comes into contact with. And that's really great. But like, there's also so many other funny things going on. Like genuinely some of my favorite jokes are in the movie are when he's like being a badass, right? Like when he has his Joker moment in the first act of this movie and he's like freaking out on everybody and like torturing Francis and stuff. And I just like, I, I think scene to scene, he's such a fluid character and it's so easy to slot him into a role and figure out the funny angles in that role. And it's so fun to watch this movie do that. And I feel like I could watch a movie like I'm sure this this probably isn't actually true because it would get really long in the tooth. But like, I feel like I could watch twice as many skits as this movie has uh, and still like come away really enjoying myself. And I think that's so impressive, especially because like. Again, it kind of it felt like a hard sell to me the first time I watched it, right? I was like, oh, this is like a weird kid's character who the whole sort of bit of this character is they're annoying. 
Yeah. And I was, I was like really ready to be like, okay, Kelly, like, I know this was your childhood, but like, this is not really going to, but then like, I laughed my ass off, you know? And like Paul Rubens fucking destroys it. Like he's so good at this. And I don't know. I just, I think it might be my favorite Tim Burton movie. <laughs> uh, no, Batman Strong Returns. Words. Batman Returns is my favorite Tim Burton movie. But, I was going to uh, say. This is a close second for sure. Uh, bring in the heat with the uh, Tim Burton opinions. I would think I still might put Beetlejuice above this a bit just because I have more nostalgia for it. But uh, irrespective of that, um, I I like how you uh, positioned that as like, there's a point at which like it is, it is annoying, especially to the beginning, like at the beginning um, for the first act or act and a half it really i was telling cody last night uh we managed to see it both at the trial and sold out crowd by the way you're right it just killed in person um but it like there was it positions itself at the beginning as so much a movie that like takes very seriously these uh issues that kids might worry about like it feels like very pointed toward a child audience of look at peewee he's a colorful character he's screaming all the time he's doing these ridiculous things um the in the first half of the movie roughly the only part that feels explicitly like this is this joke is like visually funny for kids but if you are watching it as an adult it's like quite funny for the levels that it's trying to make is the um uh, where he goes, I forget the store's name, the the toy store, the gag prop store, and like the increasing level of ridiculous bits, like the shrunken head and then the normal sized head and then the big sized head, like the, how long Fucking that takes fantastic and, and how joke. it unfolds. Oh it's my just God. A, and that's like, that feels like a little glimpse into the nuance that Aaron was talking about. Um, Like until later on in the movie, uh, there's like, to, to exactly your point, Aaron, there's this like feeling this understanding that peewee's world is as ridiculous as he is uh there's like there's rarely a straight man on the screen uh and like he is rewarded at almost every turn for doing the most ridiculous thing um it just like it gets to a point where it feels like there's like they're almost running out of steam for me on the on on the bits until there's this again this this revelation and maybe it's just like in my experience maybe in watching it again i could sort of apply this lens to the beginning half of the movie as well but there's this point at which it switches to this is adults recognizing being in on the bit and the characters being in on the bit of this is like a very childish very puerile very like nonsensical look at the, a character like this rather than being for specifically for kids anymore it's a little hard to articulate as I just saw it for the first time last night, but I watched a short interview with Paul Rubens in character. Um, it's unedited. So like there's a few set, like maybe 30 seconds of setup where they're miking him up and stuff. And he's like, is this live? Is this going to be live? And she's like, no, it's syndicated. And he's like, oh, okay. I just need to. And then boom, he's in character. And he's doing it uh, there. Like that to me, to me drives home the idea that like it lets them uh, pivot to a very like, adult focus not because the jokes are raunchy or anything but like once you once they bring you in on the bit once they bring you in on that character and like the position he's in in the world and sort of like like cody was saying his impact on the world around him then it becomes much more like oh this Man. is actually very good adult written comedy uh just without the like churlishness and and some yeah. you know adult hatefulness that that some of these things can that's such a good point it's like uh, it's kind of two movies and never the twain shall meet right like right. i i imagine having a completely different experience with this as a child mm -hmm. that i than i would as an adult which is also kind of ironic because there are points where the the two movies kind of meet right mm -hmm. despite what i just said where like there are also jokes in this movie that are perfectly as funny as an adult yeah. as they are when you're a kid i'm thinking about like the um the mattress tag joke which is like it's such a perfectly written joke because like 
all ages would understand it and it perfectly preserves how funny it is right or like the alamo mm-hmm. which is my favorite joke in the movie um uh, another That's... perfect like perfect joke that just like i would laugh my ass off at six at 36 and at like 66 right yeah. like it it's perfect for it that is... but but you're right like there is also this whole other thing operating here where it's Mm -hmm. sort of like, it's really like uh, it's for both children and adults, but in a different way than I feel like a lot of movies that build themselves that way are. Yeah. Assuming that like, and you have already said how this like wasn't, you didn't go in with that perspective. You were watching it for the first part and recognizing like, Oh, this is nostalgic. This is sentimental to some people. Maybe it's not for me, but then at a certain point, you click, I want to get to that point. I like, because I had one too in this movie. Uh, I'll, I'll summarize my point by saying there's this point in that interview where the interviewer asks him, they're pretty softball questions usually, but she asks him like, do you think, and she's talking to Paul Rubens, but not Pee Wee, but he's responding as Pee Wee. It's the funniest thing. And he's, he, she asks him like, do did you intend this as like a satire of consumerism as like a joke about capitalism at like, you know, consumer culture and our desire for things and props and bits. And he's like, and you can see sort of this coquettish coy look on his face where he's like, I, I don't really see it that way. And he's saying it as Pee Wee. And it's like, I, but like, you know, that he, as like having been in the writer's room, having like helped make this character and build it to what it is, he, clearly he did. But he's like, he's playing it down because he knows that people who do see it that way will be able to see it in the performance, will be able to see it in the movie. And it's just this slight nuance, this, this trick that it plays that like has clicked my whole understanding of the character and of the movie. Um, Cody, was there a point like that for you? Uh, were there any like, does that spark any thoughts for you over the course of like remembering the movie? Yeah, kind of. And I, and I think I'll come at it from like a, a complimentary, but like slightly different angle of approach. Like I, I got thinking about like, this is, it's uh, I think overall a well-paced movie. It is. I mean, you could say that about any 90, 91 minute movie, um, like for how many like skits there are. And I agree. Like I, I could, I would eagerly and earnestly watch a this movie, but a version that has like double the skits or like we stri- double the length of like, like the road movie part. Uh, right. Yeah. Exactly. The second act, right. It would just be like, Hey, just like drop in a bunch more of that. And I'm like all about it. Right. And, and not to like, not to, I, I don't know. It seems like a, a lot of us have like very favorable things to say. And this isn't like a ding to the movie, but, um, and forgive me, I can't remember if it came up in the pegs, but from, from what I can tell, this is like Tim Burton's first film that he directed not to be yeah. like, First oh, it shows insane, yeah, right? Like insane, like huge success for all of the reasons that we're talking about and more. But there does seem to be something like, and maybe it is because it is such a compact, concise, and already very well paced thing that, like, if something is off by, you know, we we sit with a joke for maybe like ten seconds too long, it shows, and not like in a big glaring way, but there's something about the rhythm that is just a little bit off, and it's almost. Like it's it's a double edged sword with Pee Wee almost because I think it is very funny when he is um, upset. You know, it, it's talking about how he works so well as like a vibrant presence. Um, but like I, I love seeing ecstatic Pee Wee. I also like seeing skeptical Pee Wee. And when Pee Wee is under duress, as he is, or like when he's annoyed, like what, like seeing him get to the point where he's in the um, the train car with the hobo <laughs> who like oh, has a a, a, a a like a, a longer running battery than peewee and he's just like all oh, right this is the dude a, out like, peewee's peewee it's such a right. that's Wild. such a good joke oh my god right. 
Yeah, I, I think the the point in the movie where it pivots to like it pivots to the thing where it's like, oh, I got to have a lot more of this. Not that like the first act is bad or, or anything, but the when the bike is on the truck and it goes in the like it goes the other dire- direction, basically. And maybe I'm just landing on that because there's a really funny point in our screening last night where someone in the audience who like there are a lot of people who are really into the movie, but one guy just went. Oh my God, no! <laughs> like truly upset when he sees the bike go like the you know ninety degrees uh, the other direction. Um, so it's yeah, it, it's tough because I, I want to zip around with PB. I also want to see him in in all of these other facets. It's tough to juggle those uh, in in one space, and I I I feel I'll grow to become more comfortable with that mixture the more that I revisit this. Um, but especially in, in the early goings, when you you want like one one palatable thing that you can, you know, I have no bandwidth with Peewee. Like, I gotta know, is he, is he just like the, you know, the season four and beyond version of SpongeBob where he's just like a caricature of his forms? There's no depth. We're not like letting the darkness in anymore. We're not showing him with any sort of negative energy, but we do see Peewee with like, you know, he's set, he's angry when he loses his bike. He's annoyed. He's scared. He's all these other things. And that can like vibe in weird ways with the rhythm of the movie. That's again, not like a knock against it in any way, but I think that maybe rubs up again, uh, up against the conversation of like this, you know, the parts of this that work for kids, the parts of this that work for adults and how that like transcends or doesn't transcend, uh, transcend um, generational viewing. Um, I think I maybe only just made that more complicated and didn't, didn't give any concrete answers. Um, but this is where I handed off to Aaron who will attempt to unpack I'll, that. I'll no of, doubt. Yeah. Yeah. I'll, well, I'll kind of, maybe this slightly ties in, but I, I, uh, I'm in the position where like, you know, I, I kind of talked a big game. I think at the beginning of the episode about being a dumb kid and not appreciating this. I think I still don't like love this movie in the same way that, that Harry does. And I'm trying to, uh, kind of, I guess, unpack a little bit why I might feel that way. I guess the first one is that, as Harry mentioned, this feels like a film that like just goes crazy in a theater, right? And like, I, you know, did they saw it at home, not uh, uh, in a theater, um, which is kind of typical, right? That's fair. Also, uh, I should say the first time I saw it, I was with Kelly, and she basically wets her pants watching this movie, which is also right. Extremely if you had fun. someone doing yeah. that incredible it's one of those movies where like you there's a lot of movies that are the opposite where like if someone has seen it it's fucking annoying and they're just yes, like lord yeah. of the rings is off in this way where they're like looking at you like you see you know the, the whole kick the helmet meme right um i think this this film is the opposite where like having someone very very much engage so. yep. in this joyfully like builds it up for you i also think that like um just for me maybe even like aesthetically more than anything related to like the writing or like the quality of the bits i think i i like the first like not even half like first third of this movie where we're still very much in peewee's world uh uh kind of a lot more than what comes after um i like the uh, rube goldberg i like seeing his house and his yard and his neighbor who like knows him and is kind of playful and knows to close his window when he's gonna water his lawn right i like that kind of stuff i like seeing the people that he knows at the bike shop um that you know uh, the girl has a crush on him uh you know he, he's obviously causing a lot of problems by the way is this or the is this shop. weird i've i feel kind of weird about i think eg e. daily is so hot dude i will like, seen this movie i need to know that first i well i don't i She's don't gotta know. be yeah, I, she's she, an adult. She was. She How was, old is Pee Wee supposed to be? What the fuck is going on? I, here? Anyway, <laughs> I'm just saying. I know she's the voice of Tommy Pickles, and that does make me feel kind of weird. But uh, wait, I didn't know this at all. Oh yeah, dude, you didn't listen to her voice, and 
she like, was kept. She's I, a really yeah, famous voice actor. She was I also a, in um in Valley Girl. If you remember watching Valley Girl, yeah, she yes. was she was topless in Valley Girl. In fact, oh okay, for, for well, Harry remember uh, she's in uh, Streets yeah, of Fire. I as well. agree. Shout outs. I agree. I agree with you, Harry. Uh, good take. Thank you. I appreciate um, that. Yes, but I like I like Pee Wee's like vibe interacting with the part of the world that he is comfortable and familiar with even him like interacting with the bully like you know stealing his bike and whatnot i like that sort of stuff i think like once we get you know peewee actually going on his adventure a lot of those bits don't hit as much despite huh. like kind of knowing that they're good like you know the bit where he's in the the hollowed out t-rex uh which is probably worth talking about separately but like that bit like i like recognize what that's doing and like all of these bits have kind of references to you know, kind of old tropes from cinema, from storytelling and whatnot, that they're like, obviously, it's almost like, like the bit here is that she's talking to fucking Pee Wee about this. You know what yeah, I mean? It, like, it like gets a little bit more high concept when it hits the road, right? Like it becomes right. more, more like clearly a parody of other types of movies, right? Where it's like, oh, yes. I see what you're doing here. You're parodying another like idea. Um, and maybe that doesn't work for you as well. It, it it doesn't, um, and I think that's not like necessarily a knock against the film. Um, it's just I I don't know. I, I also think like the the locales we see and like you know the environments are a lot less goofy. Although they do get there from time to time. I think like the final chase scene is like you know full of wacky shit, just you know painted elephants and and pyrotechnics and whatnot. I would also um, be re- I think remiss I, not to say uh, this is also just a desert movie. You could just be making your Paris Texas point is. again, where you're just I like, also don't I don't like, like the desert. <laughs> I don't. I I look. That's just my fucking look. I you know I prefer uh, the Washington D.C. to New Vegas. You know I prefer uh, I prefer the the scenes outside of the. De- I don't know. I'm not a desert guy, uh, despite liking some of that kind of media uh, every once in a while. But yeah, I don't. That's my again. It's like mostly aesthetic. I think it's kind of a dumb argument argument or like point of personal taste but like i, I don't know it's kind of how i feel i guess but then yeah. ag- then again sorry jason's been wanting to hop in here but then again i said kind of the same thing with the princess bride where like the first half of that movie that's all just kind of warm and fuzzy is like the best part of that movie and then once more actual conflict is introduced i get kind of annoyed with it so maybe i'm just uh kind of a, a child myself and how i view conflict and storytelling maybe hmm. that's the problem here well i mean if we're drawing parallels between that and and uh and and this maybe it's just like you are ready once you wa- start watching the movie you're ready for the for that character for the bit you're ready for a Wee herman movie you're maybe not like the, the left turn of actually it's you know you're going to incorporate these certain nuances these like these conflicts that reveal like harry said something higher concept even if they don't like become the movie itself i mean they do at a certain point the pet shop scene is literally that happening but um i i find it interesting because like that is i don't know exactly when you're talking about like if there's a point or a scene or if it just like beginning to end comparing them and you felt better about one but for me i think i can identify the point at which that nuance starts to set in and like it does sort of elevate beyond i did enjoy the second half of this movie more than i enjoyed the enjoy the first half despite having a good time in the first half as well because it feels like there are little nuggets of this nuance of what we've been picking at here in the beginning and then toward the end it becomes more like oh this is the through line we're now carrying something uh you know from like smaller pieces of the movie that we excuse me smaller pieces that we seeded earlier in the movie are now becoming like more or more the point of the movie um and the scene i'm thinking of is uh the bar room at a th- in te- in texas right uh i forget exactly where in, with in, the devil's help helpers with with the dev- devil's helpers that's right uh and like 
it's setting up for pretty like standard tropey interaction where he's going to be goofy and sort of like win them over with silliness. But there's this really uncomfortable, like not, I don't know if it's intentional, but for me it was where he, uh, he takes the shoes. Very funny gag. The guy gets like two feet shorter. Once he takes off the shoes, he puts on the shoes and he starts dancing in like the least impressive, most like, uh, half, half-assed way possible. Yeah. The, the, like the sock hop type dancing with these shoes that clearly he cannot dance in. And everybody around him is just looking disapprovingly like it's a Tim and Eric skit where they're just like, I don't know. You're, you're really not. And then like, just suddenly he starts breaking things and they're like, Oh, okay. Fuck. Yeah. All that shit you were doing before do it again. And now we love it because you started breaking things where it just feels like too absurd, even for like child logic to justify that. And that's where it becomes like, Oh, it's making a joke for me. It is pointing out how ridiculous it is that this character gets the way he gets what he wants. As, as uh, Cody was saying, or excuse me, Aaron was saying earlier, like he can do whatever he wants. And the end result is sort of like still what he wanted. And that is like where it became textual for me and where the movie started to turn around in, in terms of like, oh, I'm I'm now sort of like that whole thing has clicked. And then I like I said, I watched that interview later and it's like, oh, clearly he, there was something else going on underneath. I can apply this lens to that piece. I, I still like as a contiguous piece. I don't know that this is like one of my favorite movies or anything. I know that I don't enjoy it as much as Harry does. I really respect it. I think like there are pieces that shine like gold here and that more of those pieces are visible in the second half. I don't think that the whole thing as a contiguous piece is like the the com- comedic masterwork uh, that, you know, that, that it's sometimes hailed as. I still really enjoyed the the highs of this movie, even like the like here was saying the higher concept, the T-Rex mouth and the hobo and stuff like so many pieces and bits. I think, Harry, you described it as like just a series of bits throughout the movie that I think they gain momentum and they start to congeal a little more as the movie goes on in that first half. It was slightly rougher going, but there's a piece, a bit of magic that appears uh, at that point in the movie for me. Yeah, there's just something and it's this is really fun to talk about. I feel like we don't analyze comedy that much on this episode or on this show, but like there's something about like one for one thing, the fact that like Paul Rubens is so good at walking the line that you described in that interview where it's like it's he's so committed that it feels like he couldn't possibly be in on the bit, Mm -hmm. but he is somehow very clearly in on the bit. And both of those things sort of coexist in your mind at the same time and like suspend one another where you're constantly like, okay, like there is no Paul Rubens. There is only Pee Wee Herman. He has disappeared into this role. But then at the same time, it's like, oh, but like they're so smart about the way that they're utilizing Pee Wee Herman in like as an extension of his environment that like clearly they knew exactly what they're doing, right? Like, and I think maybe that's why this works for me so well. But but the thing that that I really love about this movie is that the jokes can be so conceptual. And like Cody said, they can almost go on too long for the concept. Like maybe my favorite sequence in the movie is just when uh, Pee Wee's bike is stolen and the the next like 20 minutes are him just basically being like the Joker. Like he's fucking punished Pee Wee where he's, he's like talking about how like, like he he's um, attacking his friends. Uh, he uh, breaks into somebody's home and tortures them for information. They, <laughs> they play that like they play it pretty much straight. Right. At one point he, he screams like, go ahead and scream. We're miles away from where anyone can hear you, which like he's in his own house. So that's not even the thing to say in that situation. But like, and the whole joke of that is that it's hilarious to see Pee Wee, right? Like the ultimate sort of goody two shoes, naive guy become this sort of like edgy, hardened, like 
cynical uh, rebel type character. But like, despite the fact that that is the whole joke of that concept, it continues to be funny for like the whole 20 minutes that they do it. They just keep finding ways to make it hilarious, right? Like when he gives the presentation and he has uh, like evidence up through the letter Q and beyond and everybody's just sitting there and, and he's yelling at everyone. Um, I don't know. And, and like, I feel like that happens a lot, right? We're like, again, like the whole premise of Pee Wee meeting a hardened criminal on the road immediately and them becoming friends is that it's funny that two two men who are as different as two men could be would hit it off in this sort of strange way. Still hilarious, right? Like they find every avenue of that concept to like break into and play with in a, in a way that makes it so funny. And like, it's so meticulous. And at the same time, it feels so lackadaisical, lackadaisical because like they're, do, they're doing this. They're, they're like exploring these great concepts, but at the same time, like, it feels like anything could happen scene to scene, right? Like, why is Large Marge such a big part of this movie? It's such a random intersection of, like, what we're doing here. But it works so well, and it, it's so strange that it works as well as the it shrine. does. The shrine, oh my god. Yeah, I just like the whole thing. Her ghost, they all say in unison, and it's like, oh, like, I see what you're doing here. Again, it's just like a one-concept idea that it's just, it's funny to put Pee-wee in this situation, but it just keeps working. Uh, for me anyway. And I just like really enjoy that. Um, and I, I don't totally disagree. Like I said, I think there are ups and downs. One thing that kind of gets to me about this movie a little bit is I don't love the ending uh, with like the the movie about Pee Wee's life and stuff. I just think it goes on a little too long, maybe. Um, it goes on so fucking long. Yeah, dude. like it, it keep cutting back. It's like a 10 minute segment. To be fair, though, like even within that segment, which is maybe my least favorite segment in the movie, for sure. There's a lot of good stuff. There's a lot of funny fucking jokes in it. Yes. Like when he hands his uh, criminal friend who's in the prison bus at the drive in, he hands him a like foot long hot dog and the, the prisoner stops There's, him yes. and pulls out a fucking file, like an entire file yes. out of the bun. And then the prisoner guy is just foil. like, nice try, Pee Wee. Like, fuck, that's such a good joke like and they're even in like the the um the least conceptually funny and interesting segments there are like three or four jokes like that right where it's like and and especially on rewatch it it hits you that like the joke density of this thing is like almost simpsons level right where like at any given time there's like three or four funny things happening all at once um, and even if if maybe one or two of those things isn't working for you right at the time, there's another level that this is hitting you on that is working for me. And it really so for me, it really sustains itself. Um, well, I think there's like an aspect of like that specifically and like how it works and specifically how like Paul Rubens has like kind of exposed this character to a bunch of different scenarios that like speaks to like a, a kind of just going back to your comment about us not like, you know, breaking down comedy that much. I think it like kind of, uh, uh, you know, represents a style of humor that's like not really it's like still around per se, but it, it's not um, it's not as prominent, which is like the idea of like comedians as like like writers and as actors and performers like creating these like characters that they they embody right um you know something like snl which was rubens uh had an audition for he was like got into like the final round and then like didn't get accepted i think gilbert godfrey got it over him which like that's probably a fine choice right um 
But, uh, you know, and then he was like, oh, I have this character of Pee Wee Herman that I've like written all this stuff for, didn't see any success. And like, I will kind of repurpose this. And that's how he created the Pee Wee Herman show. And then the success of that eventually led to this movie. I think there is like, um, you know, an aspect of comedians creating these characters and like just really kind of, you know, doing the work to like just really see what situations uh, they can exist in and be funny in. Um, some people in the comments are saying like it's Jason's just said it's still on TikTok. Like there is, of course, that sort of thing is like still around. I think the difference mm-hmm. is like, you know, in the past, that sort of thing, you used to, you know, do a show like SNL or HBO or something like that. And then you would uh, and then you get like a movie off of it. Right. And, like, right. Eight out of 10 of those movies would be kind of dog shit. It's right? no longer but, like, a real business, every once yeah. in a while. Yes, it would be the Blues Brothers or or something like this or like Borat or, you know what I mean? There's like plenty of examples. I think that like that kind of thing has like gotten a lot smaller to the point where like, yes, it is on TikTok. Um, someone like Tim Heidecker, I think, does that a lot uh, with a lot of his like, you know, kind of in-universe stuff and on cinema and whatnot. Um, but like it's kind of lost in, in regard to like big movies um and so something like Pee Wee herman like as this character kind of represents like a style of comedy that doesn't seem to really be around in in like general filmmaking yeah, yeah. unless there's a good stuff take that i'm yeah. forgetting about i think yeah no i i, I think that's Thanks, a pretty Aaron. good take yeah um you know what? let's give it up for Aaron. Uh, Aaron, that was really great take, take of the year yeah. so far we're folks for, there's a first we're, time we're for everything Whoa. You made this joke last year when I had a good take in January as well. And that's what you said, too, motherfucker. You're repeating your bits. There's a second right? time for Get everything. Get a new joke, asshole. Okay. Yeah. I think we uh, may have also done that one probably. as well. Anyway, it's fine. Just, okay, keep going. Yeah, that's, uh, oh, God, there's no coming around for this. Uh, we're, just, we're just repeating the same bits. This is just a soundboard that Jason is remastering uh, in the background. He's got these, all, he's like, yes, indeed, folks. Yes, indeed, folks, uh, et cetera. Um, one thing talking about kind of how this movie wraps up and also how it exists in conjunction, but also not with like other, other franchises, other characters that have, you know, they built, they build their own universes. They, they, the different sketches and adventures that they get on. One thing that uh, I do like about the conclusion of this movie, I also think the, the, the movie adaptation, you know, the movie they make off of Pee Wee's story, I agree. It goes on a little too long. I don't know if that was like a, not a studio note, but something where it's like, we need to infuse this sort of thing a little bit longer at the end. It like, would be hilarious are, if it was a studio note. I, I, <laughs> I, I find a hard, because it is, I'm again, anybody can correct me if I'm wrong. Like the first attempt to like filmically adapt Pee Wee, but also with it being Tim Burton's first, like he's not like, I, I like Tim Burton was uh, something of an, like a, a tech, like an animator. He it was an, uh, one of the animators in Tron. Like he was, like he was not like some dude that they just got off the street, but he wasn't like an established guy, like an established studio guy. Aaron's holding up a thermometer. It's 87 degrees in his place right now. I'm extremely jealous. I'm going to die, it's approximately dude. 20 degrees colder in my place. Um, what Pee Wee's big adventure with the last, you know, kind of beats a uh, few beats of this movie bounce back to is uh, something that I really like is the, like obviously Pee Wee gets it into all these crazy scenarios meets a lot of different people, but then like recapping the buddies at the end, bringing everybody back and being like, these are how these people have fundamentally changed as a result of interacting with this like dynamic enigma of a person. Even the hobo guy who like, he has that great line. I was just like, Oh, we got box seats, which like 
so good, dude. One, one of the jokes that worked for me best. Um, but like, even just the fact that he was on a train with Pee Wee and he like met up with his friends, like the the rest of his buddies, and they all came to the movie premiere. Even just something little like that. But like, Simone comes back. Um, the yeah, the the tag clipping guy is back. You know, we already talked about him attempting to to get the file from Pee Wee. Um, uh, and and Pee Wee and Dottie having that moment. It was like they're they're still friends. Dottie is clearly still interested. Like that's fun enough interplay. And then he gets that last zinger uh, on Francis that just like care put into like these, these were, excuse me, something of like throwaway characters that we established earlier, but we have enough care to like bring them back and and, like sandwich this movie just a little bit. Um, I think that does help in like remembering, like, even though I'm, I'm actively thinking about, what happens in the second act and not thinking about what happens in the last few minutes. I think just the, the fact that we, we get them back for a couple jokes a piece at the end of the movie helps. Yeah. Like, it is re- really re- nice. from the movie. Yeah. It, it, it feels good, but it also helps like cement that in your memory. Like Simone is maybe a forgettable character from this movie. She, like her, her scenes with Pee Wee are great. Um, but like, I, I'm more aware of her. I'm cognizant of her character now because she has those great scenes and she comes back like she went to Paris. That's yeah. great. Also, uh, who, the wouldn't fucking, want to. that that moment where they just they do the thing that that you never really think about in scenes like that. But when they're up in the T-Rex's mouth and then they turn it around and it, they're supposed to be looking out on this beautiful view while they have this like discussion about their lives. And then like the camera just turns and you just see that the there is no view. It's just like the T-Rex's yeah. teeth and orange. And so it's like, oh yeah, that is what that would look like. Fuck, that is such a good like brick joke. There is uh not part of a larger discussion point, but just to comment directly on that, um there's this like very even if I didn't know that Tim Burton directed this movie, which I didn't before like looking it up on Letterboxd and finding out, I wouldn't probably have been able to identify like, oh they they got Tim Burton on some of this set design, huh? Like when they're wheeling him away in the hospital in his dream and they're like the doorways with checkered floors and yeah, darkness. That's like every, that every scene Tim Burton with, scene for exactly, sure. Every scene with like darkness anywhere is just complete pitch black, like Vanta black darkness uh, just to obscure whatever the world might be around him. It's, it's really fantastic at times. It's, it's not, I wouldn't call it beautiful, but definitely like idiosyncratic and very fitting of each scene. Um, before we actually do get to our ending bits here, uh, I wanted to ask because it's a movie full of bits, like Harry was saying. Do y'all think you could pick one, maybe a small selection of your favorite bits that could stand the test of time of like, this is this is what I laughed hardest at? Harry, is there anything? That's, I know you've already mentioned yeah, a bunch, but I'm sure there must I be mean, more. I it's, mean, it's a dumb, it's kind of a dumb joke, but like, fuck, the like... The Alamo joke where, okay, so so Pee-wee's in Texas. He just uh, entered a bull riding competition and was thrown and, uh, like, is knocked unconscious. A bunch of Texans pick him up. They go, uh, like, what's your name? He says, I don't remember. He says, what are you doing here? He goes, I don't remember. And the Texans go, well, what do you remember? And Pee-wee, having just returned from the Alamo because that's where he was told his bike was going to be, goes, I remember the Alamo and all of the Texans just cheer. <laughs> and then the scene just cuts like mid cheer. It's just like, that's the joke. That's the end of the scene. I fucking think, I think that joke is so funny. I just like absolutely crushes me every single time. So that's, I think that's probably my single favorite joke in the movie. 
I think Pee Wee getting getting on a motorcycle and then driving through a sign just immediately. Was, uh, <laughs> I, I love how big. like unadorned that that bit <laughs> that, is. Like there's yes. no. You sound also know it's going to happen. Yeah. Yes. You're well, just and, like you you see the setup of the shot and you're like he is going to hit that sign. Also, and then the he absolutely hits that the sign. The fucking perfect cut when uh, it then cuts to all the motorcyclists who are like escorting the um, ambulance to the yes, hospital. Very good. Very good. <laughs> Extremely good. The the two jokes I have, I'll get them th- through them quickly. The two that I have that we have not already talked about. Um, one, it's the the jingle all the way thing of everybody laughing at somebody for something that they don't need to laugh at him about. But, but, but when Jan Hooks is like, there's no basement at the Alamo and he waits the whole tour. He's visibly annoyed, at, like having to wait. And then everybody turns and just laughs at this guy for being so stupid. It's like, who thinks uh, there's a basement at the Alamo, you idiot? <laughs> yeah, it's like, probably, I don't know. I, just, I I think that sort of thing is very funny, again, as somebody who was raised on Jingle All the Way. Um, but then the other one being the, um, the it, to kind of cap off the multi-layered chase sequence through the, whatever it is, the WB lot. It ends with him rescuing a bunch of pets from a, a burning pet store. And it's the thing where he goes in and out, in and out, gets the assistance of a, of a, a chimpanzee to like help like lug animals out of the store. He passes by the snake, uh, it, it you know cage the, the the I don't know a bunch of snakes sitting in a in a glass cage. He looks at it, he like gets a look of disgust, and then as he goes, it's increasingly like ah, like I'm getting stressed out about making this decision. I'm gonna have to save these eventually, and then it just ends with him instead of putting them in a cage. Just I don't know if that's like an intended comedic detail or what, but he, he's just holding them like they're like pixie sticks or like <laughs> hunks of licorice, just like running out with a bunch of snakes in his hands and screaming like, ah, like running into that the would, camera. And that would definitely the be ground. the GIF, right? Like if we were still doing that bit, that there, was the one that immediately occurred to there me. There are a lot. Um, the the thing about that bit, it, it wasn't my favorite, but the thing about that snakes bit is like any movie that has that bit, they write it three times. They write it through maybe four times if they're trying to make a comment on it. This happens like six times in and out of the room where he like gives the un like unconvinced glance at this uh, cage of snakes. It's fantastic. It, it is such a good dumb payoff for that joke. Um, we have done away with a gifts bit, but uh, that would probably be one one of mine. Um, my specific bit, uh, Cody, is buried within one of yours when they're all laughing at him for thinking that there was a basement out of the Alamo. It's like the, the floor of the joke has been set. Everybody's laughing at him. We have gone through all 1,001 ways to prepare corn. Uh, it's like an incredibly detailed tour that this That whole is sequence giving. is so it's, funny. It's great. It's great. And like the ending is a great payoff that everybody laughs at him for like having one request, one question, one like dumb thing to say about it. But then specifically, and this is the part that actually had me laughing out loud in the theater there's one kid who like takes his camera points it back at peewee and just flash right in his face while laughing at him i don't know why that got me so fucking good but like in the middle of this great humiliation very large public humiliation at the alamo a kid flashes his camera in the guy's face just to like denigrate him a little bit more and continues laughing it's, it's so, so goofy oh movie. man it's like yeah literally exactly the, yeah uh which has a lot of dna in common with this movie both road movies um there is one coda to that joke the joke about the alamo which is when he's on he's talking to simone i think or maybe he's talking to Dottie. i can't remember which one um and he says he's talking about the alamo and he goes yeah i just there was a turns out there's no basement at the Alamo. I guess I just I couldn't have fa- figured that out. Some things you just have to experience. <laughs> I think some <laughs> things you have to experience like there not being a basement at the Alamo is such a fucking funny joke and, and such a good thing to say. And she empathizes. She's like, I didn't know that. Yeah, either. You're right. Yeah. <laughs> 
Oh, so fucking. I mean, it's full of shit. Again, like you could pull any scene and it's probably going to reconjure the magic of what you liked about this movie most. Uh, well, thanks, guys. That was the end of our actual formal discussion. Uh, we do still have, though we're trimming down a bits. Uh, Aaron's finally gotten his way. Um, he is consistently the least reasonable, most ridiculous person on this podcast. And yet, like Pee Wee hey, Herman, he gets his way. What if we just made this episode like two and a half hours long just to see if Aaron dies of heat stroke? <laughs> Just as like a fun experiment. <laughs> Let's just find out if, if he can take the heat. I've already chosen to cut out Aaron's heat talk from earlier. So that's, uh, you know, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll get around to it. Uh, maybe it'll get make it at the end of the episode. Uh, but I do want to open up. We have one uh, segment that I think is worth talking about. If there's any final thoughts that we can fit them into the junk drawer, anything that didn't fit into the larger discussion. I feel like we've made a lot of room. So if there isn't any, we can close it right back up. But uh, folks, Cody, Aaron, Harry, anything we should talk about that didn't make it into the specific uh, discussion points of our episode? Uh, I love that. I don't know. I haven't seen any of the TV shows, so maybe this is a bigger thing. But like Pee Wee's rivalry with Francis is so good that it could be its own sort of show, especially like specifically the fact that like Francis's whole family is in on it and like peewee becomes like the little rascal of the neighborhood to them where he, he like he passes that trick gum to the the patriarch of francis's family i can't remember their names but um and then like the thing happens that that aaron alluded to where where they start foaming at the mouth or whatever and then he basically all but screams like peewee and it's like oh like that was just like a little yeah. preview of what could be an, a whole other series of like Pee Wee the Delightful Scamp, right? And I, I love that about this too, that like it feels like there are so many like premises optioned in this movie and and so many of them have so many legs, right? It's like it. I think a hallmark of a good comedy is that for as many jokes as this has, uh, it leaves you imagining like so many more. Right. Like it, like I said, it would be so easy to write more skits of just putting Pee Wee in hilarious situations and like nailing the tone just right the way that this does. And um, that that's always really sticks with me about this movie. Uh, Yeah. Speaking of sticks, uh, sticks of gum, I guess you were also talking about the trick gum. Speaking of everything, uh, this I'm two for two in this movie getting me with like what the phrase trick gum refers to because like obviously it shows it five minutes later but one of them appears to be spicy one of them obviously dyes your mouth black uh i had trick gum when i was in elementary school uh that was a fun prop for me especially on on like the bus uh home from school uh but the trick what the quote unquote the trick it was like a mousetrap thing like you pull the stick out and you have like a spring it's like loaded in and so when they pull it out it snaps their finger um all the older kids thought it was cool what for about a week because I, everybody... I mean like a little bit it wasn't like you know and not like an actual mouse trap where it like you oh. know, chops a finger off or, or kills a small animal or something like that but it was enough to be like ooh ah that's like it hurts for it's a like, second then it's you like laugh. the old shock handshake where like it's yeah. portrayed as funny in movies but in reality it's like man if somebody did to be did that to me i would be fucking pissed it's like that's <laughs> not right. even that's not even a joke it's just torture <laughs> i was exactly. just gonna say the the trick gum that i didn't some friend of mine had when i was younger was it was like it you know it was like a uh what's the brand you know it was like a like a stick you know classic rectangle Wrigley. gum sticking out of the stack and then you reach for it and it electrocutes you like shocked you a little bit oh yeah um we had yeah, pens like that, you. where like you you yeah. push the button on the pen and it like gives you a little zap. Those always yes, it was this it was, like, it was the same like stroke. 
you didn't notice it for the first second, and then you're like, ah, what the fuck? Like, it's like the sensation of being shocked like that. Very weird and hard to describe. Your brain just kind of glosses it over for the first, like, mm-hmm. 500 mm-hmm. milliseconds. In, yeah. Exactly. In homeschool, yeah, we just being had electrocuted sucks. Yeah. 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 <laughs> oh, yeah, sure. Well, that's standard, I think. Yeah, we don't need to talk about it. Uh, well, thanks, guys. That was uh, the junk drawer. Um, I do want to mention, I don't have a sound for it, just because we keep adding to the number of movies from 1985 that we have covered for this podcast, I I would be remiss not to mention uh, the episodes that we've covered, excuse me, the episodes that have covered movies released in 1985 uh, in other loves we've tried. It's a segment that I started. Nobody seems to like, uh, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll fight. For okay. You say that every time. Day. And then we all jump in yeah. and yeah. say, That's, it's we a good do bit. Like Please it. do it. You know, Stop how, characterizing you know, just, it weirdly. It's, it's just like, if. 2024, if, the year where we don't sandbag if people don't shit like it. How about if that, people don't Jason? like it, we don't maybe need to continue it. But uh, in this case, 1985, we had episode 25 on Police Story, episode 76 on After Hours, episode 94 on To Live and Die in L.A. with Seth Zarate, Day of the Dead in episode 142, Horathon 5, Son of Horathon again with Seth Zarate, episode 163 on Ron, episode 187 on Smooth Talk, 197 on The Return of the Living Dead with Natalie Marlin. I was not on that episode, but I'm, be- I'm sure it's beautiful. I remember listening to it. I have not seen the movie. Maybe I've spoiled it for myself. Um, episode 201 on The Last Dragon. Episode 204 on It Happened One Night, again, with ghost- guest Seth Zarati. Episode 218 on Taipei Story. Episode 242 on Witness. And coming in clutch near the end of the year last year, episode 257 on Tempopo. So, guys, again, it feels impossible that one year could have created that many movies yeah it's five six seven eight nine ten eleven twelve twelve of our 261 episodes have been all from 1985 and that's not that's without mentioning movies from 1980 you know that we didn't fully discuss absolutely insane it feels like a ridiculous number of movies from 1985 that we've covered on this podcast maybe the maybe i can pull a cody and pull a stats on how many movies we've covered from 1985 versus other years it would be that has to be our number one year right i mean 12 that's a fucking lot maybe like 1979 that came close with like maybe eight or nine last time we talked about a movie from 79 anyway fascinating i think to look back when we've got this kind of body of work so appreciate the time maybe it comes back if you guys don't Good really bit, like Jason. if you're not happy Good with bit. it next time um but we do actually have one actual literal final bit for this episode uh and harry always uh, rings it, in it with is me. it's the best bit of all it's the bit we like to call <gasps> cody's, cody's noties wow thank you for that man childlike introduction i think the the best bit of all is uh again this being the year of of confidence and not sandbagging our segments before we jump into them we've been doing this for almost 300 episodes let's yeah let's roll with a little bit of that classic greek confidence how about that super produce um <laughs> is that what greeks are known for that's uh, uh yeah it comes from the greek confidentia Holy shit. Uh, Today we'll be bringing back something from our episode of The Conformist. Uh, We're bringing that back for this week's segment. For those who don't recall, IMDb has a tool that can be used to compare the cast and crew of two works and alert you to how many personnel are shared between the two. Which it makes makes a lot of sense because The Conformist and Pee-wee's Big Adventure are essentially the same movie. I've always said this. Um, We have a shirt that says it uh, in the Try Love Shop as well. Feel free to check that out. This time uh, we're actually going to invert it and see how many shared films there are between two cast and crew members that we that we put forth, cast or crew members, I should say. So I'll spend a bit of time digging into the question of how many shared films there are, and then we'll look up the answer. 
so get ready to uh, get ready to stretch, fellas, because for Pee Wee's Big Adventure, we have IMDb's Dig and Then Search. I'm not gonna say. It's, Whoa, it's pretty good. Yeah, I need I need a little bit. It's no she she adventure on my big Pee Wee until she call me her man. But you know, just kidding. It's better. It's much better. I don't, I don't know about that. She Pee Wee Tbh. I'm gonna list off pairings uh, of film personnel and you gentlemen will give me your guesses for how many films they have in common between them uh, you'll be scored based on how far off you are with your guests i'll progressively add up the differences and then that'll be your score so again it's kind of like golf and that the lower score you have the better off you'll be um i know we golf a lot and we know this um, but just in, for reaffirming purposes i'll use the um or the classic patented free spinner app to determine the guessing order not anything less uh, listeners need to contend with. I don't even know why I mention it because this is an audio medium. Uh, but trivia mafia r- rules do apply here. Use your noodles, not your Googles. I don't really know how you do that, but don't try it. Uh, with that, let's go ahead and jump in. So our first pair of folks, we have director of Pee Wee's Big Adventure, Tim Burton, and uh, Helena Bonham Carter. Those are our two folks that we're looking up. First, how many films are shared between these two individuals. And I'm going to spin the wheel and we land on Harry first. So Harry, how many do you think? I'm going to say 10. Maybe Harry. that's a lot, but I don't know. It sounds like it could be. Yeah, I don't know. Is it a lot? We will find out in a couple seconds. The next guess will come from not Harry. I'm going to go that's, with 10, Cody. No, nope, nope. Uh, Aaron, we got you next. What do you think for this? Uh, I'm gonna, how many fucking movies is Tim Burton? It's gotta be, gotta be over 50 fucking percent of that guy's movies. Um, I'm gonna go seven. Slightly more conservative. Gotcha. So we got seven as the guess and moving over to Numero Trace, which is Jason. Jason, how many films do you think those two share? I'm going to cover the spread. I'm going to go for um I'm going to go for 13 movies. Cover the spread. Thank you for bringing back that. That is a bit that should never die, hopefully maybe. Um we'll see what happens, but the correct number thank you. By the way, uh the correct number of shared films between Tim Burton and Helena Bonham Carter per IMDb's compare tool is 9. 9 shared films. Um so close. Which uh, Harry gets a point. That's like uh, Aaron gets level, two points. Right? Jason can, four. That's like fucking De Niro. I thought about, was, oh, I thought about using the term use. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so everybody's in in single digits. Uh, Harry was one off. Aaron was two. Jason was four. Still extremely much anybody's game. Or is it? Uh, we'll find out shortly as we head into number two. Uh, we're comparing a couple of Pauls, Paul Rubens and Paul Giamatti. How many films do these two uh, <laughs> Titans share? Uh, we're going to go to Jason first for his guess. Man, I'm really bad on Paul Giamatti's filmography. The answer is not enough, whatever, yeah. the, whatever the answer is. I'm going to say four films, uh, and you know, neither of them being leading men outside of a very specific few movies. Yeah. Gotcha. So four, locking that in here as we head to our second guess, which is going to come from somebody named Aaron. Is there anybody named Aaron on the call? If so, go ahead and speak yeah, up. No, it's it's me. Uh, oh, okay. I don't know what the fuck Paul Rubin's filmography looks like outside of Pee Wee. Like, I don't... 
Uh, I'm going to go. It's got to be mostly cameos, right? Like as Pee Wee or as something similar. Yeah, but I thought I remember us doing this last time and well, I wasn't on conform- but from a previous episode. Didn't we do this from a previous episode before the conformist as well? I think conformist was that? the first time the, the common yeah. formist. Really? Okay. Um, That's I'm what it was say, called. Don't give me that look, Harry. You piece it. I'm going to say uh, uh, two. Two films. Aaron is saying two. All right. Got that locked in as well. And over to Harry. Harry, how many? I was also going to say two, two, so I'm going to cover the spread and go with three. Maybe, maybe like Paul Rubens appeared in weird cameos in like Big Fat Liar or something. I like that you're 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 putting yourself right in the middle there. You're kind of I'm covering yourself, the spread, kind of the opposite. Yeah. I appreciate it. Yeah, yeah. 2024, the year of covering the spread. Every year should be that for what it's worth. Um, these two have shared one film, and that film uh, is 1998's Doctor Doolittle. Uh, I forget the credits. I think Paul Rubens is voicing an animal. I can't remember if Paul Giamatti is voicing oh, that makes something a lot more of live sense. action. You know that that works. Yeah, it does. Um, it does, and it did. A uh, classic movie. I don't know. I haven't watched that movie in years. Uh, but our third pairing is... Uh, well, actually, here. Sorry, I'll pause. Um, so Aaron uh, was one off. Harry was two off. Uh, Jason was three off. Spread's getting covered, etc. Um, so Aaron and Harry are both at three. Jason is at seven for the game as we head into our third of five pairs. Our third pair is going to be uh, John Williams, the legendary John Williams. And Steven Spielberg, the legendary Steven Spielberg. So how many films do those two (laughs) share? Uh, And we're going to go to Jason for the first guess here. Jason, what do you think? Can I cut in real quick? Wait, wait. Mm. Does this include like produced? Does this include Steven Spielberg's name just being fucking Oh, shit. That's a really really good question. (laughs) Does any... Film that both of them have a credit on. Yeah, whether that's so director, producer, composer. <laughs> uh, how many remains to be seen? But I'm sure Jason will give us an answer. I am going to say. I feel like I've been too far off so far. I'm going to say 38 movies. Jason is going with 38. I'm etching that in concrete while simultaneously. Spinning the wheel of justice, uh, which lands on Aaron. Justice shall be adjudicated. In what fashion? I want to go. I want to go thirty-seven, but then Harry's going to go thirty-six. But but it could it could be more. Like this could be fifty-eight films. Do you understand? Like I don't. Um, I understand. I mean, I'm going to go twenty. Uh, I'm going to go kind of lower. I'm going to go twenty. Aaron is going yeah. to go twenty. Locking that in and over to Harry. Harry, what do you think? Man, I was literally also going to do 20. That's a pretty good guess, okay. I think. Well, I'm going to go 19. Fuck you. I knew your ass was going to do that shit. <laughs> uh, we have a good time here on Trilove, the literal roundtable podcast. Uh, my brain's going to autofill the rest of the spiel, so I'm going to cut it off. The actual... Retail oh, price. By the way, uh, I saw Dan. Shout outs to Dan. Um, frequent oh, nice. guest on the. He sat next to me at Pee Wee, which was very fun. Um, he Shout shouted out to me that uh, none of our tagline is true anymore. <laughs> He's like, so you guys don't go to the trial on that often. So it's like, it's not no, a literal, it's, the, it's not a literal roundtable podcast, and it's not about movies you saw at the trial on. Or it is a podcast. 
It is sometimes about movies at the trial. True on. or through is the phrase. Oh, guys. you're right. Yeah. So yeah. got to hit hit Dan back with that. We got yeah. him. Sorry yeah. to interrupt, Cody. Go ahead. No, got no, that's fair. Dan. Yeah, I appreciate uh, Dan looking out, but uh, he's looking out and his head's up in the clouds, um, figuratively and literally. <laughs> that dude's 13 feet tall. Um, everybody's got their, their guesses in, um, and I've done my tabulations. The actual retail price of the number of shared films between Johnny Wills and Stevie Spiels. The combined Spiels. box office gross of the movies they share Jesus. credits on. <laughs> the Weirdly GDP enough, it's of just, most nations. <laughs> Weirdly enough, it's just $200,000. Um, <laughs> uh, it is 41 shared films. Uh, Jason, three off. Uh, Harry, 22 That's off. That's fucking crazy. This is literally how I win. I say that all the time and I never mean it, but this is literally how I win. You now are 20 fucking points off. Yeah, uh, and you have one. You've popped off. There's the. It's just three pairings. No, we've got two more pairings. So oh. still anything is possible. Uh, but uh, the current look at the scoreboard, we've got Jason in the lead with 10, Aaron with 24, Harry nipping at his heels with 25. Our fourth pairing Yo, is... Yo, who do you think you call first in that situation? If you're making a movie, it's like, do you call mm-hmm. John Williams or Spielberg first? And like, pr- whoever you call the other one's probably like, oh, is John on board? <laughs> <laughs> did you talk to stevie yet and then it's like well no and he's like well get back to me when you've talked to stevie well, john, john williams has he said that indy five was going to be his last movie and then he's like uh actually my name is maybe Hayao Miyazaki. Ooh, actually I, gonna have a couple I was, I was gonna yeah. say he's, Ooh, doing, he's doing some miyazaki shit john williams is Precisely. never gonna die in, he's gonna be quietly I'm, creating and scoring films like after I'm gone. <laughs> Into 2150. I'm certain of it. Uh, but I think I'd start with him because it seems like it's easier to like pull him by the tail back into the, the fold. And then Spielberg would be like, John on board? Yeah, of course he is. Yeah. Uh, shout outs to Johns everywhere who are on board. I don't know, man. Uh, our fourth pairing. A uh, couple of Johns. No, it's actually a couple of Cruises. Penelope Cruz and Tom Cruise. So how many shared films... Do these two have our first guess will be put forth by Fuck. one Harry Mack and Harry, what do you think? This could literally be like one or 14. Uh, I literally, I have no idea. I'm going to go with um, six, I guess. Harry's guessing six. Oh, wait, but Tom Cruise produces a bunch of fucking movies. I'll pause. Um, I, haven't re- I haven't written it down. He already gonna, said it. He already I'm going to go with it. nine. This is a chess situation. He removed his hand. I didn't. I'm going with nine, Cody. Thank you. It's a chess situation. <laughs> uh, pretty good. Uh, but I've got nine down for Harry. Uh, the next guess will be put forth by Jason. So Jason, over to you. How many films do you think these two share? I think he shares eight. Thanks. They shares eight. All righty. Got that marked down. And over to Aaron for our third guess of the round. Aaron, what do you think? What spread are you going to cover? What, what did Jason just guess? He just guessed, guessed seconds ago, eight. He yeah, is not eight. listening. Okay, His my, ass is no, not no, listening. No, 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 I was. My original guess was in. eight. I don't think I can win this. Uh, you know what? Harry guessed eight, six, and then nine. Uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to guess. I'm going to say, you know what? Freak shot. I need to do it. I'm going to go two. Weirdly low. You know, Tom Cruise. I don't think he, he likes people sharing his name on a project, you know? Got a bit of an ego. I'm going to say two. Gotcha. Aaron has put down two, which uh, compared to the actual number of shared films, that is four. 
So pretty pretty close guess. So two gained for Aaron, uh, five that's, gained that's for Harry. That's surprising. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I I meant to make note of more of these. I just for lack of space and time. Um, Vanilla Sky and th- three others uh, that I that I can't remember. Um, I guess I assumed. Yeah, with them both being fairly prolific around ish the same time, I assumed they would have intersected at more the intervals i guess not mm. two of the only people alive who are as hot as they are you would think that they had come into contact with one another <laughs> one would think uh and yet here we are so if anything this episode is a platform uh for you know the the petition we've put forth get these hotties and more movies together um penelope cruz in the next mission impossible why not um but why not? hey every other woman not, is in it <laughs> true and and they oh, all have God, the exact same role already anyway so oh. <laughs> might as well just add her yeah and boy does it rule uh you know what else rules uh concluding this segment we've got one more pair here our final pair uh sorry quick look at the scoreboard we've got jason with 14 aaron with 26 harry with 29 what's gonna happen with our final pairing two queens of the trial on maggie chung and anita moy how many films do these two have in common and i'm going to spin the wheel and land on harry man I, harry, you really get first going first on this one don't you um i'm gonna go with 17 uh films cody gotcha 17 locking it in uh and over to our second guess which is gonna come from aaron aaron what do you think I think I, I, in order to win, I think I have to make the assumption that maybe it's actually a super low number and that Jason's going to also go high, maybe in the 17 to maybe 30 range, and that maybe I'll clinch it if it's not that, even though it clearly is. I'm going to go what are you? six. Gotcha. Look, I'm losing, buddy. You, look, you got the John Williams thing. Like, what do you want from me? You know, I'm gonna, yeah. I'm going six. That's not, it's going to be like 28. It's fine. All right. Over to, I've got that uh, guess logged and over to Jason for the final guess of the game. Jason, what do you think? Um, I was always going to guess 11. So I'm guessing 11. All right. 11 is the guess. Marking it down. The actual number of shared films from these two legends is six. Ugh. Six films shared. Uh, and Aaron perked up. He, he woke up. Uh, he didn't win, um, but he got him, got him close. Uh, Watch him so accept the, the, his victory speech. People's anyway. champ. Yeah. People's champ. The, the audience voted. People's and joker. The salt of the earth award. Um, oh, people's joker for sure. Um, final tally here. Uh, so Harry ended up with 41 points for the, the game. Um, do do going down the line. Yeah, I think I did this math correct. Uh, Aaron ended up with twenty six with no points gained in that last round. Pretty impressive. Uh, but the the comprehensive, you know, the effort put forth that won him the game. Uh, Jason through and through ended up with nineteen. Um, so a good effort from everybody. Well I know done, this is Jason. Kind of a weird thing to try and quantify. Yeah, excellent hey, work. Have we covered every single movie that Maggie Chung and Anita we have appeared in together? We that have not. seems okay. I was going to say that seems fucking possible. We've, we've covered almost a quarter. Well, wait, a third of them, right? Then, if there's six, we've done I'll, the heroic trio. I'll look them. I'll look them up in the background. I appreciate Jason, that. If you if you have like a pop off platform that you would like I to honestly utilize for a minute or two. I never prepare these, so I'm just Well like, yeah, you never win, so why would you? Yeah. You know? 
uh, Aaron, what what is uh, what are you looking forward to watching this year? I'm ge- I'm going to share the pop with with you folks. What are you? Oh looking well, for- no, what I feel movies- bad. What movies? What mo- I, I'm the I'm the people's uh, podcaster. What, what am I looking? Yeah, for? Like, uh, I'm, I'm I'm looking forward to seeing Falling Leaves. I'm looking forward sure. to seeing the Taste of Things. Things that aren't yet out yet. The Taste of Things looks great. It I just saw uh, All of Us Strangers last night. And oh, I yeah. highly recommend that one. I didn't know Jason lent his pop-off platform also. Oh, to, so you're not ready to talk? <laughs> oh, wow. No, uh, he was like, no, I'm joking. Uh, so, of course, I'm going to watch my New Year's resolutions. Of course, who would forget to ever do a New Year's resolution? Uh, but also, I will, this is a very dumb internet-y thing, uh, but uh, I, I have uh, recently started uh, 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 kind of paying attention to the, I think with the, the, we- the weirdness of the box office for blockbuster films in 2023, I have weirdly started watching like box office projections for 2024. Okay. And folks, it's going to be a brutal, brutal year for uh, uh, a lot of reasons, uh, which I am, I am watching mm-hmm. uh, in interest. So that is a shitty answer to that question. But that's, is, there, is there an example? That's yeah. Well, why, so like the, what the is going to make it so hard and so brutal this year? Uh, so like there is not a single I think there's like one Marvel movie maybe coming out this year. It probably Madame won't Web, actually come yeah. out this year. Uh, Madame, Madame Webb is I don't that's think a, a Marvel That's a Sony movie. picture. A Sony pictures, oh. yes. uh, but like still in association the, with Marvel, not part of the MCU. Sorry. Her yes. web connects them all. Yes. The the uh like the big the big projected uh movies this year are like uh I think so like uh the new Despicable Me, I think Despicable Me four Nude is coming Despicable out. Inside Me? Out Two is coming out. Jesus uh, Christ. Other Pixar. Than that, right, but those are like those are like right, you know, sequel to Inside Out, so funny. The sequel the other than that, it's like Joker Two, which is not gonna do as well as the first one. It's fucking musical, right? Um and then like a bunch of shit like there's there's nothing. There's no like fucking Avengers. There's no you know what I mean? Like last year, Ant Man came out, was like a big disappointment, like critically and commercially, only made like five hundred million, which is like not a lot for those kind of movies and how hyped up that is. And like pretty much everything since then has been just like shitting the bed commercially. Uh, and so mm. it's like, what do you do if you're a studio that relied on those kind of films? Something like Madame Webb is that, that is going to flop, right? That yeah. is, uh, that is going to do badly. There's a bunch of movies like that, that are, you know, greenlit in various stages of production. And it's like, what, you know, what do you do if you're Disney looking for a big hit and like your Marvel stuff slopping? You don't have a good looking Star Wars movie on the horizon. You don't have a good an- your last animated movie, Wish, which was like the big hundred year Disney movie, flopped like crazy. Like we had like I think like four of like the top ten biggest flops of all time just last year. It's crazy. Really? Yeah. That's yeah. wild. Well, that's everybody yes. was saying like the what was it? Spielberg predicted that fifteen years ago, where like these budgets yeah. would get too big and they would pop, and then they would all start falling like dominoes. Yeah. Um. So what I'm hearing is Beekeeper sweeps right. Movies like The Beekeeper are, I think, kind of what studios are going to do. Like, yes, the, that yeah. big budget action <laughs> Let's go. shit, or or rom coms. The new, uh, the, whatever that Sydney Sweeney anyone Glenn but Powell you? movie is, yeah. yes, has been like overperforming, right? And if you're a studio, you're like, well, I can't fucking make Sydney Sweeney's real hot. She is, and Glenn Powell too. Something for everyone in that flick, folks. <laughs> Something for everybody attracted to the gender binary. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, Ace People. Sorry, there's not a movie <laughs> in the theaters. I <laughs> uh, I heard. Did I hear uh, uh, Harry's? Is that the People's Joker? Is that your numero uno? Oh yeah, for sure. I can't wait to see the People's Joker. Are you kidding me? It seems like such a little strange piece of movie I history at the very least. Great, yeah. yeah. 
Uh, you know what, Cody? I, I know a couple of your things that you're looking forward to. You know that you're a movie pass, uh, prime movie pass candidate, um, uh, clincher. What What's the next thing on your squatch list? Oh, God. Well, I think um, I don't, not to part. Oh, God. I'm, I'm actually going to say it. not to part the kimono too much. Um, uh, Seth and I have um, work off tomorrow for MLK Day. We are going to hit up uh, the beekeeper at like an afternoon screening. So that's going to be, I think, literally the next thing. If anybody here is not working, I am, we'll make that. I'm not working and I'm I am working. coming to that. Do it. 12 i think uh jason can you bleep i guess it's gonna be well, this is gonna be on the open so we don't have uh, any risk of of adoring local fans swarming <laughs> us with like mobbed. autographs or swarming like, us guns like or something. bees like bees <gasps> um but a twelve fifteen showplace icon i'm absolutely coming to that fuck yeah yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah. beyond that though um i am i'm looking forward to the january february slate of like low stakes um not like low hanging fruit, but just like there are no like like fewer tent pole type situations, just shit that I can just you know, like go into. And I, like I did see anyone but you a couple of weeks ago, and that is like I'm wary of like uh, any sort of potential oversaturation of like oh we need fifty anyone but use right now yeah, it's to account happen. for this like market which is like necessary but also not super like it's not a big like you can't. Again, you can't like oversaturate that. Like you, you can't dilute it that much. But like that was that was super fun. Prime movie pass candidate situation time movie. But I, I definitely I I don't regret uh, regret seeing that. I'm and I'm looking forward to a lot of like the January and February releases for that reason. Beekeeper is a great example of that. I I hope that that hasn't happened. I think it's it hasn't been long enough. But I hope that that hasn't happened with the John Wickification of action movies. Like you had, uh, fucking what was the Atomic Blonde? You had the one with um. Mary Elizabeth Winstead, Kate, you had, you, you have the, I'll bet the beekeeper owes something to the John Wick style. There's of, like a Jennifer Garner one called like it? peppermint or whatever it was. Oh, I didn't see yeah, it, but yeah. like, I, I know that that is like a, at the surface most level, that is like a template, mm-hmm. right? Of like, thing, even beekeeper where it's like, oh, somebody killed my beekeeper friend. And now I need, I'm, I'm <laughs> so coming I out killed my duties. I really can't wait for the transgressions to become more and more, uh, like, are less less important, less uh, terrible it, until like it's just like he stubbed me toe, didn't he? I have to kill his entire organization. Oh, yeah, oh and my podcast microphone set at the perfect game level, and you bumped it <laughs> yeah, a little. And exactly, don't twink. motherfucker. <laughs> Ooh, we yeah, we need a John Wick about podcasters. That's, Excuse that's me, that's what twenty twenty four needs. The compressor Not to speak for Jason, but but none of us have ever had our microphones at the correct gain level once. Ever. <laughs> that is that true. Has yeah, never happened. you know what? Uh, Chris's dynamic compressor. Shout out to Chris's dynamic compressor and a plug-in for Audacity on Mac. Uh, it saved my life. It saves my life. Uh, it's the reason I'm still alive. Thank you so much to Chris of Chris's. I think that person actually is deceased. Uh, last time I downloaded it, they were like remember his memory with a quick donation to our free to our like user supported uh, group anyway that's a little dark uh go see the beekeeper where jason statham is going to kill a lot of people maybe one of them in the universe of this movie uh, created expose a the produ- uh, corruption protect the hive <laughs> protect the hive uh remember to protect, protect the hive everybody as you go on your merry ways after listening to this episode of try love uh check us out on twitter try love podcast find the trial on schedule at trylon.org they give out these cool um uh calendars in paper that i've been following to make sure that i know what and how these movies are playing uh it's a bunch of series coming up this year check it out i won't take more of our time listening about here <laughs> excuse me but there's a link in the show notes uh, there's also links to two pieces on Parasphere. i will mention them by name 
about the movie we just discussed. I lived it. The Joy of Pee-wee's Big Adventure by Alex Keese for Perisphere, the Trilon blog, and Things You Shouldn't Understand, Things You Couldn't Understand, a love letter to the cast of Pee-wee's Big Adventure by Sophie Durbin. The links to both of those are in the show notes. Go to perisphere.org to read all about a lot of movies, maybe not all of them that play at the Trilon by volunteers, uh, edited by our own former guest, a uh, friend of the podcast, Finn Odom. Uh, check it all out. It's a wonderful way to spend your time when you're not actually watching these movies. Uh, but whatever else you do, maybe spend more of that time that you're not watching the movies, checking out uh, our backlog catalog of episodes, 260 some episodes now, all movies we've seen at or through the Trilon, or in some cases, movies where they weren't playing anything, uh, where we just subbed in what we wanted to watch. And anyway, it's always fun uh, conversation, almost always a fun conversation. Sometimes it's pretty prickly, but always worth listening to. Check it out at uh, your favorite place to listen to podcasts. Check us out at Trilon Podcast. Find another Trilon at Trilon.org. Find me at Nintendoofus on wherever you look. That's right. Be on the lookout for us. Hope to, to give this episode good buzz. More beekeeper stuff. Uh, catch you later, hive mind. I've been Cody Narvison. You can find me on Twitter at Cody underscore BH and Bsky at Bsky at Cody Narvison. <laughs> yeah, shout outs to the beehive. Uh, hit me up if you want to if you want to discuss the film afterward. Uh, I will have seen it by the time this premieres. Uh, remember to protect the hive. I've been Harry Mack, and you can find me on Twitter at Punish Talk. My name's Aaron. On this very night, ten years ago, along this same stretch of road, in a dense fog just like this, I saw the worst accident I ever seen. There was a sound like a garbage truck dropped off the Empire State Building. And when they finally pulled the driver's body from the twisted, burning wreck, it looked like this. (laughs) Yes, sir. The worst accident I ever seen. somebody want to go before i i have like a weird kind of weird story around this uh i did not grow up with this film if anybody did grow up with this film and wants to go first maybe harry to grow up with this film nope sure did really uh so i i uh i was, was born in 1992 lad. so this That's, came out in 85 so you i was, still grow up with i guess mean? i grew up with plenty of films that came out you had an older brother i was alive hold on you 
you totally just watch films that th- this is the craziest thing about what are you talking about man? i don't i think this Harry film in particular maybe was a the moment 1970s, that 70s. had passed by the time that i was a i think Raiders you understand the Lost Ark is a 1981 film i think you're being willfully obtuse right now this is sort Star of Wars, 1977 favorite, film. Favorite what are you talking? Historical <laughs> tactic of Aaron is, Grossman. I'm sorry. Is, is anybody else completely confused by what Harry is saying here? You grow up. Uh, you have no, VHSs no, I'm, and I'm shit. Watching, I'm watching a lot of Damage Control, and if I feel like you're yeah. feeding the beast. 